end up fast before your dad gets home. Have fun! Motherhood. Dreams, screams, and adventures. When you have four boys, as we did, there are certain mother-speak phrases, often questions, that seem to be repeated on a daily, if not an hourly, basis. What did I tell you about leaving the refrigerator door open? Who did this? Why did you do that? Didn't I tell you not to do that? If only you would do what I tell you. And then there's the ultimate phrase in mother speak, because I said so, that's why. Ah, motherhood, isn't it fun and exhausting? Oh, so exhausting. We put our heart and soul into rearing, teaching, protecting, and loving these little gifts from God. And in return, they seem to put every ounce of their boundless energy into either driving us crazy or charming our socks off. We dress up our sweet little bundle of joy in the outfit Grandma sent for that all-important first Christmas picture at the portrait studio. Then we beam proudly as the photographer focuses admiringly on our beautiful child, right up until the moment when the picture is actually snapped and the infant erupts in either projectile vomiting, explosive diarrhea, or both simultaneously. We wear ourselves out getting our youngsters ready for that all-important first day of kindergarten, then staggering back home from the school or the bus stop, wearily realizing we'll have to repeat this crazy fire drill of a readiness exercise for hundreds of mornings to come. During the next 13 or more years of school, we scream encouragement from soccer field sidelines, sell cookies for the Girl Scouts, make salt maps of Venezuela, clean chewing gum out of hair, and pick peanuts out of noses, dissect earthworms for science projects, shampoo the carpets after birthday sleepovers, learn the fastest way to the all-night pharmacy, listen for the door to open as curfew nears, and blink back tears as our babies walk across a stage to accept a diploma or walk down an aisle to marry another mother's child. Motherhood is an adventure, a white-knuckle thrill ride soothed occasionally by heartwarming moments. It seems that one minute we're new parents just home from the hospital wondering how on earth we will ever raise this newborn baby, and the next minute we're standing in the driveway waving goodbye as Junior dries off into the future. The Great Irony By the time we've served a few years as mothers, we are so smart about parenting. We have valuable experience and tremendous wisdom. Unfortunately, it is just about this time, say 12 or 13 years into it, that the people we're trying to parent suddenly seem to lose any interest in listening to us. This whole business of child-rearing would go so much more smoothly if only our children would simply do what we tell them to do. But then, to be honest, it probably wouldn't be nearly as much fun. And it certainly wouldn't be as exciting. No spit-up baby formula on the front of our favorite silk blouse before the big interview. No lipstick masterpieces on the living room walls. No backyard funerals for the goldfish. No thrill-ride trips into the emergency room. No stuffed animals to rescue from the commode. No baby teeth to dig out of the drain in the bathroom sink. No passionate passages to be refereed during the turbulent teenage years. Without such memories, we wouldn't have nearly as much to laugh about when we look back on our mothering years. For example, 
My friend Anne told me about going to a friend's house one time and finding a wooden door leaning against the wall of the living room. Seeing Anne's raised eyebrows, the friend tossed her head toward her teenage daughter's bedroom. I told her if she slammed that door one more time, it was coming unhinged, the friend explained ruefully. I thought you said you were coming unhinged, the daughter overhearing the conversation yelled from her now doorless bedroom. I didn't know you were going to take the darn door down. I thought you said you were coming unhinged, and so I thought, like, hello, what else is new? Mom, seriously, would you just bring my door back? Now, see, you just have to laugh, don't you? And that's the important thing. In my opinion, the choice for active duty parents is either to laugh or check into the home for the bewildered, which is still a possibility in case you start laughing and can't stop. I understand they're considering naming a room there in my honor. Eternally maternal. I've often said that becoming a parent is like getting a life sentence with no hope of parole. Once we give birth, mothering becomes part of our psyche. The next thing we know, those mother-speak words move into our minds and leak out our mouths, and there's basically nothing we can do to stop them, try as we might. And they just keep on coming, no matter how old we get. Recently, I heard about a 60-year-old woman whose 85-year-old mother sent her six-pack of cotton underpants. The style kids today called granny panties. Inside was a note that said, Honey, always remember to put on clean underwear every morning. Love, Mama. This book is about the misadventures of motherhood, those moments of maternal mirth, whatever and wherever they occur, that make us laugh just as soon as we can stop crying. I've divided this little collection into age groups and included some of my favorite funnies, jokes, cartoons, and stories I've heard, experienced, collected, dreaded, or imagined with the help of my friends. As one of them says, I never let the facts stand in the way of a good story. So settle back and loosen up anything tight. You're going to need room to laugh. I don't know about you, but for me, this just about means being stark naked. Whether you are a mother or you have a mother, no matter what age you are or what stage you're in, I hope you'll find joy and laughter in the pages ahead. Chapter 2. Pregnancy and Birth Sure, they're cute, but having a baby is a pain. What a happy, expectant, jubilant time pregnancy is. Four times I experienced the joys of pregnancy, and each time I loved it for about 15 minutes. Then I wanted my regular body back. No, I'm just kidding. There are a lot of good things about being pregnant. One of my favorite things was that, just for a little while, it was my secret alone. First, it was just a suspicion. I was just a few days late in my cycle, and I began to wonder. Then maybe another month went by, and my suspicions grew stronger. Finally, I scheduled a doctor's appointment. The way things worked back then, you generally had to wait a month, or usually two, before you got pretty confident you were not alone in your body. Eventually, you went to the doctor's office and donated a urine sample, and then, if you were pregnant, a few days later you would get a call and be told the rabbit died. Well, no, I'm just kidding about that, too. They only said that in comedy shows. But back in the olden days... A rabbit was needed if you wanted to know you were pregnant before you actually looked pregnant. 
Either that, or you could just wait nine months and see if a baby showed up. The doctor's office would send the urine sample to a lab. The lab would inject the urine into a female rabbit, and a few days later, the little bunny would be examined to see if she was reacting the way rabbits react when they're injected with the urine of a pregnant woman. Watching the dipstick. Back then, this kind of pregnancy test was considered fascinating modern-day science. Today, when you can dip a stick into a cup of urine and find out instantly whether you are already a winner, the rabbit test sounds pretty primitive, doesn't it? Often, couples eagerly watch the test's indicator together, peering intently at the stick to see what color it turns or what words or symbols appear so they both know at the same instant whether they are about to become parents. Sometimes, as disgusting as it seems, I mean, it is dipped in urine, that little test stick becomes a family artifact. The first item tucked into the baby book, or it gets slipped into a gift box and presented to the grandma-to-be at Christmas time. Let's just hope it's in a plastic bag. Maternity clothes are different now, too. Today, many pregnant gals let it all hang out, wearing tiny little t-shirts and low-slung slacks or skirts so they can proudly display their new condition. Modern celebrities happily pose to let their bump be photographed by the national press. Such exhibitions would have been outrageous during my pregnancies. Back then, the main idea was to hide the obvious as long as possible. So we moms-to-be wore big, loose tops that, on windy days, made us look like circus tents that had been pulled loose from their moorings and were drifting down the sidewalk. One thing that's probably the same for all generations of moms-to-be is our feeling about the touch factor. Most of us do not want strangers.